Just stand there and, and read it in your spirit. What does that mean? That He is God Almighty over all. All means what? All. It means everything. It means there's nothing left out. Nothing's left out of all. Come on, let's lift our hands. Come on. God Almighty over your family. God Almighty over your health today. God Almighty over your past. Over your sin. Over your failures. Over your anxiety, your doubt, your worry, your questions. Oh, even the questions. God Almighty over those situations that you you don't know how it's going to turn out God Almighty over the good days on the bad days God Almighty over all Lord Father God we lift our hands in your presence today in worship acknowledging today that you are what we've sang that you are Almighty all mighty all powerful, omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, holy, over all today. With your hand still up right now, if there's an area in your life that you need Him to be God Almighty over. Pastor, I've been praying about it all week. Not in this moment you have it. In this moment, will you just surrender that to Him? Maybe it's the name of a friend, a family member you're lifting up. Maybe it's a specific situation that the Lord already knows about. But right now, say, God, you're God Almighty over fill in the blank. Come on, just talk to him right now. In this moment, surrender those things over to him. Acknowledging that he is God Almighty over everything today. There's nothing outside of his jurisdiction Nothing outside of His love and His grace and His mercy. We worship You and acknowledge that. Give You praise for that today, Father. God, as You hear Your people today, as You hear the, the words and the specific names and the specific situations and the cares of life that come before Your throne, God, may from Your throne rest, peace, comfort, assurance come into the lives and hearts of your people today. Now somebody thank Jesus. Thank Jesus. Thank God today in this place. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. Somebody say God Almighty. Somebody say bless the Lord. Oh my soul and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless His awesome name. Bless His mighty name. Bless His magnificent name. Awesome and mighty and great are you today, O oh Father. Thank you, Jesus, for access to your presence. Thank you for that reminder of we, as we've worshipped you today. We give you all the praise, the honor, the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You may be seated. You may be seated. God bless you today. Wow. What an awesome looking nine o'clock service today. You look good today, nine o'clock. 
Somebody got coffee, got out early and said, I, I'm going I'm to beat everybody to the restaurant. I'm going to get my day going. And uh, man, there's a lot of energy. And uh, just thank you for being here today. Uh, we're going to have a good time in the presence of the Lord today. We already are. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10 if you have your Bibles. And uh, I want you to hold them open. If you have a pen, if you're a note taker, I'm going to give you some stuff to underline in your Bibles this morning. But um, so good to see you today. It, it's great to see some of you that we've not seen in a while who, who, who've been sheltering and being safe. And maybe you've got the vaccine and you're in church. But it, it's, it's so good to see some of you back that we've not seen in a while. And uh, it's just good to be in church. Amen? Amen. On a sunny Sunday. Anybody like a sunny Sunday? That's good, right? Awesome. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 19 through 25, we're beginning a new message series today. You might have picked up on that with the bright signage that you see on the stage. Maybe you've seen it around the, uh, the worship center today. As we begin a new series today called Better Together. And we're going to unpack some verses of scripture together today from Hebrews chapter 10. I love this passage. I think when we're done today, you will too. Therefore, verse 19, therefore, brothers and sisters... Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. That's what we just sang about. By a new and living way open for us through the curtain. That is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. And having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Amen. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. On October the 3rd, 1960, CBS television debuted one of the most iconic TV shows of all time, The Andy Griffith Show. The Andy Griffith Show, set in uh, a fictitious western North Carolina cat town called Mayberry, starred Andy Griffith as Andy Taylor, a small town sheriff. And the original plan of the show was that the storylines would revolve around Andy and his son, Opie. We learned in the first episode that uh, Opie's mom, Andy's wife, passed away. And that's really all we get for the rest of the show. But the story goes that as Andy got ready to put this show together, his friend in, uh, in the entertainment business, Don Knotts, found out about it. And he called him and said, hey, Andy, I think your sheriff needs a deputy and Barney Fife was born. And for many seasons, Barney and Andy were popular television. As a matter of fact, in the 60 plus years since the Andy Griffith show debuted, it has never been off of television. It's always been somewhere. And right now you can find it on Amazon Prime if you're, if you're wondering. 
But something happened toward the end of the fifth season that would change the Andy Griffith show forever. Barney, uh, played by Don Knotts, Don had all had heard that after five seasons, Andy was going to be done with the show. And so Don got an offer from Universal Pictures to go into the movies, and he signed a deal for five films. He would find out later that Andy was going to continue the show, and he was out of luck and had already signed the contract, and so the show would continue without Don Knotts. Now, if you're an Andy Griffith fan, you distinctly remember that change. Because in the sixth season, they tried to move on without Andy, but they didn't have a lot of really good success. The first thing they did is they tried to make the show in color. And uh, all the Andy Griffith purists will say the black and whites were the best because those were the ones that, that Barney was in. Give me a couple more Barney shots. This, that, that's a great one right there. And so... They decided to come up with a new deputy. Anybody remember this one? Guy Warren Ferguson. He just didn't get the job done, did he? I mean, he was in a very few episodes. Poor guy. Great actor, but just not at the right place at the right time. And so then they decided, well, maybe we can take Floyd the Barber or Goober the Mechanic or Howard Sprague the County Clerk. Maybe we can put them in place and let them be Andy's sidekick in color. And none of them quite could match Barney because the fact is... Andy and Barney were just better together. And what's interesting is that in season six and season seven of the Andy Griffith Show, Don Knotts would come back for four guest appearances, two in season six, two in season seven. And uh, show us that next picture. Here, here, here Andy and Barney are in color. And what's amazing about those four appearances, just in four appearances, Don Knotts won two Best Supporting Actor Emmy Awards just for those two appearances, proving once again that Andy and Barney were just, say it with me, better together. And like Andy and Barney, there's just some things in life that are better together. French fries and ketchup are just better together. Some of you are ketchup and anything people, probably, that... Peanut butter and jelly is just better together. Chips and salsa is just better together. Hot wings and ranch dressing is just better together. Everybody now is really glad you came to the first service because now you're getting real hungry, right? But in this new series, Better Together, together we're going to discover that the Bible says the same thing about us as believers. We are better together and over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about unity. We're going to talk about discovering our gifts and how we can use those gifts in service and how we can become vital, engaging members of our church right here at Rinkin Church of God. So we're going to begin this morning in Hebrews chapter 10 and unpack a few verses that, that really talk about how we as the church are better together. Now, when we begin looking at a new passage of Scripture, often I like to take a little bit of time and give you a little bit of the backstory of what we're reading. I think it's always important that we understand what's going on in Scripture. We, we pull out verses, and they're definitely encouraging on their own. But when we understand the context of what we're reading, it really deepens our understanding of Scripture. 
And in Hebrews, I want you to see what's happening here in the book of Hebrews. First of all, Hebrews is an interesting book because it's the only book in the Bible that we're not real sure about who wrote it. Anybody else that ever frustrate you? You just really want to know who wrote Hebrews. Some say the Apostle Paul. Some say it might have been one of his buddies, Barnabas or Apollos, but we don't know. But the reason why it was included in the canon of Scripture is because in Hebrews chapter 2, we learn that the writer had a close relationship with the early disciples and the apostles. And, and we can tell that he's on point, so it's included in Scripture. This book was written to Jewish Christians who had a thorough knowledge of the Old Testament. And if you've read Hebrews, you know that's true because the writer of Hebrews does a lot of, of tracing back to the history of the Old Testament and how those Jewish traditions and cultures connect to what Jesus did on the cross. There are two main goals of the book of Hebrews. Number one was to elevate Jesus as superior. You hear that right in the very first chapter, that Jesus is superior to anyone or anybody else. And the other thing that's really interesting, and I don't want you to forget this today, the writer of Hebrews is challenging the readers to remain faithful to Jesus despite persecution. You see, this community of believers at the time were facing incredible persecution. Some were even being imprisoned because of their pursuit of Jesus. Some in this community of faith were even leaving the faith. They, they were leaving worship. They were going back to Judaism. So here's what I want you to understand about how that applies to us today. In a season where the church is facing persecution and in a culture where our beliefs are being marginalized and even canceled. I believe that we can find the book of Hebrews to be challenging, encouraging, and extremely relevant to the world that we live in today. And so we're going to unpack seven verses in Scripture that speak directly to this idea that we are better together as a church family. And what we're going to do today, we're going to find that... There are five lettuce statements in this passage. Now, I'm not talking about food. I've already been talking about food. I'm not talking about this kind of lettuce. That's my, that's my dad joke of the day, okay? I'm not talking about that kind of lettuce. Because that kind of lettuce is not better together with anything, is it? Wait a minute. Wait a minute, look at this. If I put enough ham and cheese and dressing and all that stuff, lettuce is better where there's a lot of stuff on it, right? I can get through with lettuce if there's stuff. Okay, that's, that's my bad joke. Okay, that's my dad joke. My, so there are some let us statements. Everybody say let us. Okay, so here's what we're going to see today. Five let us statements. But before we get to that, let's, let's watch how everything is set up. You better take that off, Jack. People are getting more hungry. I'm, I'm getting hungry just seeing it. And that's just a salad. You don't eat a salad on Sunday. You go for the meat, right? Hebrews chapter 10. Watch this. Verse 19. We read it in a minute. Now notice who the writer's talking to. He says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus... What we just sang again. 
and by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let's stop right there. So let's look at everything he set up before we get to the let us statements. He has set up who he's talking to. He's talking to the brothers and sisters. Look at the words that are underlined. We, us, we. He's setting up his comments to a community of believers, the family of faith, the body of Christ. Anybody grow up in a church where you called the folks in the church brother and sister? Brother Bob, Sister Jane, anybody remember those days? I can remember doing that. And, uh, and, and I didn't even think about it as a kid. It was just, yeah, I didn't even know they had any other names. I go home, I still call those folks. Uh, Brother Frank and, and Sister Mary, I, it's just, it's what you call them. I, I don't even think any different. But I, I remember at some point thinking, there's a reason behind that. Because if we are the family of God, it makes sense for me to, for me to call you Brother Tim. We'll start calling you Brother Timothy. All right? It makes sense because in the family of God, we are brothers and sisters, right? And the writer of Hebrews lets us know that. He's saying brothers and sisters, we, us. And so he's talking about the family of faith. He's, a, he's focus, focusing their attention on community. So with all that in mind, he then gives us five what I'm going to call today, five better together let us statements. The first one is this. Number one, he says, let us draw near to God. Let us, as a community, as believers, draw near to God. Let's look at this verse, verse 22. Let us draw near to God, how? With a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Now it almost seems like a no-brainer. Okay, really is this necessary in Scripture to tell a Christ-following community of believers that they need to draw near to God. But remember, this community is facing persecution. They're facing hardship. Some of them are being imprisoned because of their faith. Many are abandoning their faith. So what I'm thinking is if he's telling them you need to draw near to God... They must be drawing near to other things. So maybe they're drawing near to their fears. They're drawing near to their anxiety, to their worry, to their thoughts about persecution, to their distress about what's happening. God, where are you at in all this? And so the writer says, oh, ho, ho, don't draw near to all the exterior things. Draw near to God. And the same is so true for us today. So often, and, and if you ever find yourself in this place, just give me a, a, little, a little Presbyterian nod this morning. Do you ever draw, feel like you're drawing near to anxiety? Drawing near to worry? Drawing near to stress? Drawing near to, to just being tired and, and, and de-energized spiritually? Anybody ever feel that way? Okay, give me a church of God, amen. Right? We feel that way, right? And maybe it's because we are drawing more near to those things than we are drawing near to God. Does that make sense? Is that a logical explanation for that? So, I think that's a perfect remedy for him to tell us to draw near to God. Because look what the scripture tells us. The promise, James, the brother of Jesus says, when you come near to God, he will what? He'll come near to you. That's a great deal, y'all. 
That's 100% of the time. I've never seen that fail, that when I came near to God, God didn't come near to me. And what's true as individuals is also true as a community. We've witnessed this here in our church family over the last few years. It's been amazing to see how when we have specifically designated times of fasting and prayer, like 21 days of fasting and prayer at the beginning of the year, like last summer when we spent 40 days reading through the, the Word of God together. We did the Fierce 40. When we had specific times in prayer, it never fails that when we, together as a body, focus ourselves on one of those spiritual disciplines or a season of study or learning, that, the, that there is a synergy and an energy that takes place in the body. Does anybody else see that? When that happens here in our church family, I would say that some of the most energizing, engaging, and most powerful moments of corporate worship that we see here come on the heels of those seasons when we have collectively been drawing near to God. And it makes sense because not only does James say it, look what Jeremiah says. Jeremiah says, when you call on me and come and pray to me, I will Listen to you, you will seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart, you'll be found by me. So the promise is, I'm not just going to go out there seeking and not find. It's not like a game of hide and go seek, I might find God, I might not. No, you will find God when you draw near to God. So as a body, we are better together when we draw near to God. Number one, let us draw near to God. Number two, verse 23, the second let us statement. He says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he is faithful. So as we draw near to God, the writer tells us the next step, and that is that we should hold unswervingly to hope. Let us hold unswervingly to hope. What does that word unswervingly mean? I don't use that word a lot. Do you? Is that, is that one of your common words? Un, unswervingly. I don't use that word a lot. But look what it means. It means not turning aside. Constant. So if I'm going to draw near to God, a result of drawing near to God is that I will be, and he says, as a body, we need to hold unswervingly, constantly holding on to hope. And then he tells us why we can hold on to hope because at the rest of that verse he says, He who promised is faithful. Now he's already been talking, now we're jumping into chapter 10, but you got to understand go read the book of Hebrews this week. For nine chapters, he's been talking about the faithfulness of God to these Jewish Christians who know all the stories of the Old Testament. And he's been saying, hey, God was with Abraham. God was with Moses. God was with Mo David. He, he, God has been writing the story all along, and he's still got his pen out, and he's still writing your story. So he's been faithful to them, so he's going to be faithful to you. So hold on to the fact that God is faithful. Does anybody here ever reach back? into the faithfulness of God when you're going through tough times and you remember, oh my goodness, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this one, but I remember how it got me out of that one. Anybody. That's what it means to hold on unswervingly to hope. And he tells us about that hope 
in, in Hebrews chapter 6, he says this, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Hope anchors us down, firm and secure. And then he tells us that hope actually has a name. Hope is just not something that's floating out there. Hope has a name, and hope's name is what? Jesus. Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. It's really important that we understand exactly the kind of persecution that they were dealing with. Because the Romans who had the Hebrews, the group of people, this community, in persecution at the time, what they would do was when they would bring them in before the emperor, they would ask them, are you going to denounce your beliefs? And the way they could get out of it is if they offered a public prayer to the Roman gods, or they could even offer a public prayer to the emperor, and he would say, you're free. That these Christians were walking in and saying, I cannot deny the faithfulness of Jesus. And many were being executed and martyred for the cause of Christ because they would not offer a prayer to a false god. Because they would not offer a prayer to the emperor. They said, hope, my hope, is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Look what the writer of Deuteronomy said. Let's reach way back. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. Somebody needs to hear this today. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his command. We are better together when together we hold on unswervingly to the hope we profess. So, number one, let us draw near to God. Number two, let us hold unswervingly to hope. Number three, he says, verse 24, let us spur one another on. Look at this. Let us consider, let's think about, how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Number three, let us spur one another on. Okay, let's, let's, let me give you another definition. You know, you know this one, but let, let's look at it together to help us unpack this, what this means to spur one another on. What is a spur? A spur can be a, a noun or a verb. As a noun, a spur is anything that goads or impels or urges as to action, speed, or achievement. To spur as a verb means to proceed hurriedly or to press forward. So the writer is saying, let us think about as, as members of the church, we should be considering how we can push each other along in the pursuit of Christ. So he uses this illustration of a spur. And I happen to have a couple spurs here this morning. I asked, uh, I knew that, that uh, Brad and Kelly, their daughter Marley's doing some horse riding. And, and Kelly grew up doing some horse riding. And so I called them, I said, I think, y'all, do y'all have some spurs? And they said, yeah, yeah, we got some spurs. So they brought me these spurs, and I, I was really disappointed in these spurs because I was wanting tombstone spurs. Y'all know the ones I'm talking about where he went against the guy's face? Y'all remember that scene? That's right. Wait, y'all don't watch rated R movies. You just watched it when it was on TV, right? I was really disappointed because I was expecting those spurs that are like this. I mean, the giant spurs. You can't even see these spurs, and I'm like, this ain't no spur. I'm like, Brad, what did you bring me? But then I started doing a little bit of research and studying about 
spurs. A spur, as you know, by definition is a metal tool designed to be worn in pairs on the heels of riding boots for the purposes of directing an animal to move forward or laterally while riding. Now here's the thing. Horse spurs, and all the horse people know this. You're like, hey, you're behind faster. But horse spurs will normally not hurt the horse. When you poke the spurs into the side of the horse, it will feel pressure but not pain. Spurs should be round and not pointy in order not to cause any harm to the horse. And I'm like, okay, well, I get it. Then that is, that's a spur. When spurs are used properly, they're not used to elicit pain but to elicit a clear signal. Okay? So it's kind of like this. Okay, come here real quick. So if, 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 if Jude... Seth, that's Jude. Jude's the one that needs prayer. We have a prayer line for him. He's over there, broke up. When it, so Seth, so if, if mom or dad need to get Seth in line, okay, they're not going to hurt him physically, but they sure enough might give him a little poke, right? Okay, and, that, and that's what that is. Okay, thank you, Seth. That's what a spur does. A spur isn't to elicit pain. And I got to thinking about it, and I thought, well, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Because if I'm riding a horse and I've got one of those wide herp spurs on, man, I could really hurt my horse, right? I'm not a horse rider, so I didn't know any of this. And I'm like, but this makes sense. So he's telling us to spur one another on as a community of faith. Let us spur each other on. Not hurt each other. Not poke each other and just, you know, that again, that tombstone thing where he popped him in the face. And we're like, yeah, you know. The bad guys get that. We're not the bad guys. We're all the good guys. And in the community of faith, sometimes we need, like we were just doing with Seth, to spur each other on. To give each other that push that we need. We're better together when we're pushing each other toward the same thing, toward the pursuit of Christ. So here's what I want to ask you this morning. Because he he tells us to consider it. He says, consider... How you can spur one another on. So I'm going to ask you a really tough question. And I may, I'm, I'm going to kind of push this into you a little bit right here. Are you considering how you can spur someone else along in their faith? Or are you so focused on yourself and your family that that's all you worry about? Hey, we've all been there, right? We get so focused on our own situation that we don't realize that we've been put here to be a part of community. That we're better together when I push somebody else along and encourage somebody else in their faith. And then he tells us exactly what we should be pushing each other to. Look at it, it's on the screen. Spur one another on, say it with me, toward love and good deeds. He answers the question. And Right now, as I'm, as I'm speaking to you, what am I doing? I am hopefully spurring you along to good deeds, to love, to, to the very thing that we're talking about. We were talking about this in our, our leadership team meeting a few weeks ago. We were talking about Better Together and, and, uh, and us launching this, this idea and this sermon series and, and what we're going to be focusing on for the year. And somebody in our meeting said... Well, pastor, are we replacing, are we getting rid of love your city? 
Are we changing our vision to better together from Love Your City? And I said, you know what? That's a great question. And when you see new banners and you hear, you're going to hear better together a lot this year, you may think, are we doing that? But no, not at all. This is more of a fresh approach to our vision because when we understand that we are better together, we'll be more effective in fulfilling our mission to love our city. I, I, I read that verse this week and I kind of sat back and I was like, wow, there's another love your city verse. Better together and love your city right together like peanut butter and jelly. There it is. Because we're better together when we spur one another on toward our vision which our vision is to love our city toward love and good deeds. Do you see that? I was like, wow, God, there you go. You, you just kind of put all that together. So as a leadership team, for actually for a couple of years now, it's, it's probably been about two and a half years now, we've been talking about this. Like what's, the next, what's one of the next steps and the next things we need in our church family to help us do what we do better, to to equip you, to connect you, to help you to be a better Christ follower. And over the last couple of years, we have been doing this. We've been considering how we can spur our church family on to love and good deeds. And the result has been what I'm going to announce to you today and what you're going to hear a lot about from now on, and that's what we'll call the growth track. We, for a while now, have been trying to find some type of vehicle, a, a one-stop shop that will help people to be able to become members of our church, to grow in their faith, to discover their giftings, and to get active. Because I hear questions all the time, and, and our church is growing and growing quickly in a pandemic. Praise the Lord. That's pretty cool. And so I give God praise for that. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord for that. And, and people ask me, Pastor, how, I want to be a member. How can I do that? I want to get involved. How can I do that? And after literally two and a half, really almost three years from when I originally saw this idea, we've been working on a, um, what we're calling the growth track. And you're going to hear more about that over the next few weeks. But what that is, is it is a one-stop shop. For, for people who, who want to get engaged in the church. Over four weeks, and, and what we're going to do once we get this rolling, it's going to start the first Sunday morning in March. And our plan is, is that it will, it will run January, February, March, April, May. We'll take a break for the summer, and then we'll come back in the fall, September through November. And everybody's thinking about Christmas in December. But we'll take a few breaks throughout the year. But every first Sunday, we'll offer a class called Discover How to Become a Member. It'll meet at 9.30. It'll meet in the Life Center in one of those front two classrooms. It's video-driven. Uh, it's, it's me teaching about how to become a member of the church. And some of our staff will be there with coffee and donuts, which are definitely better together, right? And you guys will hang out and, and learn what it means to be a member. Then you come back, and then you can come to the 11 o'clock service. Then you come back the next week at 9.30 and, and go through Disciple. And then that's, that's how you learn to grow in your faith. And we're just going to unpack all types of, of ways that whether you've been a Christian for 50 years or 5 minutes that will help you and encourage you how to grow in your faith. Week 3 is called Design. And you're going to do a, a spiritual gifts test and a personality test that will help you to discover 
who you are and what your gifting is. And you may say, man, I've done a bunch of those. Well, do another one because, you know, sometimes those things change. And then the last week, we're going to talk to you about how you can make a difference and the different areas in the church where you can get involved. And so that's going to begin very soon. There's already some information on it, on the website about it. And uh, part of us doing life better together is this growth track being in place. So when you hear a growth track, you're going to know what that is. And if you have any more questions about it, just let me know. But that's a way that we're going to spur one another on. So here we go. This is what we've said so far. Commercial over. We're better together when, number one, we, we say, let us draw near to God. Let us hold unswervingly to hope. Number three, let us spur one another on. And number four, he says... Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. So he's telling us the fourth let us thing that we've got to do to be better together is let us meet together. And it's kind of a progression if you think about it. Verse 25, we started with, if we, look at this, if I draw near to God and I hold unswervingly to hope and I spur one another on, I can't do any of those as effective as possible unless I meet together with unbelievers. We've been going through the book of Acts over the last month. And, and, and let me just share it with you one more time. The book of Acts is filled with examples of believers being together. Acts 1.14, they join together constantly in prayer. Acts 2.1, they were all together in one place. Acts 2.44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. Acts 2.46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Acts 4.24, they raised their voices together to God in prayer. Acts 5.12, all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. So the early church was birthed and it continued and you and I are here today because Christians must meet together. And he says, don't forget not meeting together, which gives this idea in the scripture he says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. So there must have been some who were dropping out. Some people were stopped had stopped meeting together. Why? Because of the persecution. Because things were getting difficult. And so they had stopped coming together as a body of Christ. Some of them had gotten out of the habit. Some were returning back to, to Judaism and deserting, worshiping together as a Christian community. What was true in their culture is true in ours. And it's even more true now than ever before. We cannot stop the priority of meeting together. I hear a lot of excuses. I've been doing this a long time, over 25 years. And I've heard a lot of excuses through the years about why people don't go to church. Can I give, them, give some of them to you? And then I'm going to give you the, the, the comebacks. I think you'll like some of these. I go to brunch on Sunday. Well, that's great. We have a 9 o'clock service, and most places have brunch till 3. I sleep in on Sundays. We have an 11 o'clock service. And for most of you, you get up super early, super early. I know how early some of you get up. 
And to come, you come to church and you did sleep in compared to the other days of the week, right? Here's a great one. Church is full of hypocrites. Well, we always have room for one more. We got plenty of them. I are one and you are one. That's why I need to be saved, right? That's why I need Jesus. Number four, I'm against organized religion. Perfect. So was Jesus. And so are we. I don't believe in God. Well, that's okay. God believes in you. People are so judgmental. Church people are so judgmental. And to that, I'd say trust us. With everything we've done, we don't have a place to be judgmental. We've been there, done that. We don't have time to be judgmental, right? I don't have the right clothes to wear. Look around this room. It's come as you are. We don't have any ties and coats for sale out there in the merch shop. It's all t-shirts. So we'll give you a t-shirt and come on in. We're not worried about that. I'm not just being, I'm just not being fed. That's okay. We're not here to feed you. We're here to equip you so you can feed somebody else. Ten years ago, someone at church somewhere was really awful to me. Well, that's terrible. And I'm really sorry. But give us the chance to make that up to you. Some people say, I'm just too tired to go to church on Sunday. Well, if your stressful life is making you that tired, ditching your spiritual life is not the answer. You need to give up something else. I don't know the music. Finding our music is super simple. Listen to Christian radio. Listen to K-Love. Go to YouTube and pull up Elevation Worship. We're in a pretty tight pocket. Hillsong, Elevation, Bethel. You pull those up, you'll know all the songs and you can sing with us every week. Okay. My kid has sports. There's sports that don't play on Sunday. And of the thousands, somebody say thousands. Thousands of boys and girls who've played baseball in this county. You know how many are playing professionally right now? Two. And one of them's grandma sitting back there. And she'll tell you how hard it is to get to that place and how hard he's had to work. Your kid's probably not going to play baseball professionally, but they are going to spend eternity somewhere. Amen? And even though that... I'm so glad to see you guys back in church. I've missed y'all so much. But grandma, I know how much you pour and pray over that boy. How much time you spend with him when he comes home. And how much time you spend with him on the road. So he's getting plenty of Jesus as he's pursuing a baseball career. I feel like I need to get right with God before I can come to church. It ain't going to happen so you might as well just come on. Churches just want my money. Actually... We just want you to know that all you have and all you are comes from God. And we encourage you to respond accordingly. Amen. I've been feeling discouraged lately. You know, when you get to feeling down and depressed, you don't want to go anywhere. It's hard to get out. And I get that. But worship and corporate worship is the absolute best place to go when you're feeling down. 
it will shift your focus from the internal to the external, from God to others. One of the in, and I've, I've, I tell you, I've been doing this a long time, and it's one of the enemy's number one lies. And, and he's, it's just, it's just an easy, it's easy one for him to get people so down that they don't get to church. And I've seen people so many times, I'm just so down, I'm so upset, I'm just like, if you will get here, we're going to pour into you and you won't leave down upset and discouraged. We're better together when we're in the house together. And, and i got to say this, I, it is an important time for a series like this. I, like I do some things, I, I find good stuff and I steal it and then I make it our own. And I went to a church a few years ago, and they were doing this, this series, Better Together. Bright, uh, bright images, the food, and I was like, that's cool. I can preach that. And I sat on it for a while. I told Pastor Josh about it. I said, start thinking about this, because at some point I'm going to preach this. And I wanted to preach this last August, because I thought last August, last September, we would, that would be when we would all kind of be getting out of COVID and kind of getting back together. And it just, wasn't, it just wasn't happening. So as the fall went on, Josh and I both, we knew the growth track was coming together. And we were like, okay, January is, is it. We're going to start the year with Better Together. It's going to be perfect. He's pumping out these images. And I'm like, man, this is so cool. We're putting together material. The growth track's ready to go. And January comes. And, and, and COVID, the COVID train pulls up to Effingham and blows smoke on all of us, you know. And, and, and we just, every week, people are getting COVID, in and out, in and out. And so January 2021 was Rankin Church of God official COVID month, okay? If you didn't get it, praise the Lord. <laughs> but it just kind of happened. And it just was the way, it didn't happen here. So don't leave and say, well, I had a spike. No, it didn't happen here. It just happened all over the county. It just happened at Effingham, and it was, it was our turn. And some of you would already had it. And then I was like, okay, well, we're eventually going to get to it. And so today, we've finally gotten to this place of better together. But here's the thing. Over the last almost a year since we've been in this mess, there's something that I heard early on in advertising about the whole thing with this pandemic. And you've heard this too. We're all in this together. Anybody heard that? We're all in this together. I hate that. You know why I hate that? Because the flip side of them saying we're all in this together is we're all in this together, but nobody needs to be together. That's garbage. That is not how God created us for community. And, and we need to find a way to do community, and we have, praise the Lord here, and do it safely. So if you need to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you need to bathe and we need to get a water hose and shower you down with hand sanitizer before you come in, we'll create a post out there if that makes you feel better. We'll have a wet and wild corner over here with hand sanitizer, okay? We can do it safely. I, I'm going to tell you, I'm so proud of Effingham County Schools. In school every day since day one. When, when this school year is over... I'm, I'm, I'm sure Dr. Ford's going to have an appointment with, with the governor at some point to say, this is how we did it. It can be done. We can do all the things that we used to do and do them safely and be okay. Y'all believe that? So this garbage of, 
we're all in this together. Nah, we, we're all in it together. I get that, but what we really need is we need to be together. Because we're better when we're together. And I want to be real clear, real clear. I've said this before and I'm going to say it again. If you're going to work and you're going to Walmart and you're going to Kroger and you're going everywhere else, but you're not coming to church, that's a problem. If church, and I stole this, look at this. If church is the only place you're social distancing from, COVID is not your biggest problem. You've got a bigger problem than COVID. Here's the final excuse that I've, I've heard from people. Reasons they don't come to church. I don't need to come to church. I don't have to go to worship, to church, to worship I don't have to worship to be with other Christians. I can worship anywhere. I can worship on the lake, in the woods. I can worship at home sitting in my easy chair. I'm not denying that we as Christians can worship anywhere because we can. But please share with me in God's word where it says that we can live independently of the church and live individually separate from the body of Christ. I'm waiting. Come by the office this week. I want, I, want, I want you to show me where it says that in Scripture. The Bible stresses the need for us to be a part of the local church and how significant relationships with other believers are. And I know you're sitting here saying, we're here, dude. Why are you telling us this? Because we need to be reminded. And maybe you haven't been here in a long time and you need to be reminded. And maybe somebody's going to listen to this on, on, on the podcast and, and needs to be reminded. So, let's finish up. Kevin, if you'll come and play for me, we'll finish this up. We're better together when we meet together for corporate, corporate worship. So, we said four lettuce statements. Let us draw near to God. Let us hold unswervingly to hope. Let us spur one another on. Let us meet together. And here's the last one he says, verse 25 but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the last one. Let us encourage one another. Scripture always builds on itself. So draw near to God, hold unswervingly to hope, spur one another on, meet together. What's he saying throughout this whole passage? Encourage one another to draw near to God. Encourage one another to hold on to hope. Encourage one another by pushing and spurring each other. That's what I'm doing this morning, pushing you. We can't do the things in this scripture if we don't come together. We can't encourage each other if we don't meet together. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. But here's the thing about this verse. That I think, okay, well, Pastor, you've already preached about, okay, we're here at church. You don't have to preach that again. Come to church. This is a little bit different. Does encouragement happen when you come in here on Sunday? I hope so. We're, we're trying real hard. Yes, I, I hope. Through prayer, through worship, through connection. But encouragement goes even deeper when you make the choice to be here some other time other than Sunday. To be here on Wednesday night. To be a part of a small group. To be a part of a community outside of what's just going on on Sunday morning. That's opportunities for us to encourage one another. I love what's going on right now. It's really unexpected to me because 
we were going to go back to men and women small groups this, uh, this time of year. But with COVID, we said, probably better for us to all stay together. And on Wednesday nights, we're having a, a small group together that's not really a small group. All the adults are in here together. And man, we're, we've got a great crowd. Biggest crowd I've seen here of adults on Wednesday night in a long time. And we're having great discussion and great encouragement. I think it is. I, I've, I've been amazed and I've left encouraged. And it's been great encouraging one another. But there's one more step beyond this room, beyond this campus. It is going deeper. When I sit across the table with somebody and I share a cup of coffee, encouraging one another. When I send a text to somebody, encouraging somebody. I love my wife. I love what she does. She'll get a she'll get a message sometimes about somebody who's in a situation and she just texts the prayer. Dear God, right now I pray for Brad. And I lift Brad up and boom, 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 and she's and that, that, that prayer's getting long, boom, sends it. Man, that's good. That's encouraging one another. Texting a scripture, leaving a voicemail, leaving a, 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 a note, a message, a gift for somebody. Saying to them, you matter. And let me tell you, everybody here, your story matters. You have a story that matters to somebody else. Well, Pastor, I've never done all that crazy stuff. It doesn't matter if you've done the crazy stuff or you have or you haven't. Your story, as clean or dirty as you think it is, matters. Somebody needs to hear you say, come on, let's do it. I've got your back. You're not alone. We're better together when we encourage one another. So the five let us statements, one more time. Let us draw near to God. Look at these. Let us hold unswervingly to hope. Let us spur one another on. Let us meet together and let us encourage one another. And as the worship team comes in this morning, I want you to see the very last thing that he says in this verse of Scripture. Okay? Now take everything we've just said in one big ball. All these five let us scriptures. Now stay focused, okay? They're going to come in and get ready. Just continue to stay with me. He finishes with this statement. All the more as you see the day approaching. So he says, all the things that I just told you to do, you need to do those all the more. Somebody say, all the more. As you see the day approaching. What's he talking about the day? Grammatically in scripture, the day is what? Capitalized. He's talking about the coming of the Lord Jesus. So he says, all the things I've been telling you to do, you should do them even more as you see the day approaching. Anybody see the day approaching? Anybody think we're getting closer? Not just because time's marching on, obviously. But anybody think we're like the closest we've ever been to the coming of the Lord? Anybody, can anybody like me, I, I can, if I look real out in the distance, man, I can see the, I can see the tape. It's like, is that the tape? I think we're almost finished. We're getting real close, y'all. So Hebrews writer, he tells us, he says, all the more. Do all those things even more as you see the day approaching. But what, can you, hand, can you handle one more of these this morning? What have we seen the church do over the last 20 years? Those of you who have been a part of church your whole life, do we have less church than we've ever had before? 
Yeah, we used to come Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Now, there, there was a time where it was just, we were probably coming so much that, you know, our families suffered or other, you know. But we've kind of flipped it upside down. And we give the Lord, you know, and, and some people, nobody here this morning because you're here at 9, but, man, some people be like, all right, man, it's 10.30. I'm ready for that brunch now. I gave an hour and a half. That's all I'm giving this week. All the more, guys. All the more. Even more as you see the day approaching. Is this, is this to fill up the house? That's not what this is about. This is about the fact that we need each other even more in these last days. We need, I need you more than I ever have before. And you need me. You need each other more than we ever have before. If there's anything in this world that should motivate us to come together so we can be better together, it should be that verse and the way it ends that we see that the day is approaching. And the closer we get to the coming of Jesus, the more we need each other. Amen? Let's stand together this morning. Jack, give me that yellow screen one more time with that summation let us draw near to God let us hold unswervingly to hope let us spur one another on let us meet together let us encourage one another this is how I want to close out this morning this worship team is going to sing a song of of us in the sing today of hope and encouragement and I want, to, I want to take a moment today, if anybody needs specific prayer for hope. I want to spur some people on and, and bring some encouragement today. If you or somebody in your family or a situation you're praying about needs hope today, I want to ask you to come as they begin to sing this. I want to ask you to come and stand here in the altar. And we're going to pray with you together for the hope that you need. Anybody need some hope today? Anybody praying about a specific need that you have today? Would you come? I want to pray with you today as we finish out.
God, we thank you today for hope. We thank you today, Lord, that no matter what's happening in our lives, there's always a scripture that comes, a song that comes, an encouraging word that comes. God, to give us that hope that we need. Lord, I thank you for your word today that just like to the Hebrew community that was written to, it's challenged us today. It's encouraged us today, and I pray it will go with us today, and we will live better together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. As you leave today, just share an encouraging word with somebody on the way out, and we'll see you back here Wednesday night at 7 o'clock for Family Ministries Night. God bless you. Enjoy your day.